Welcome to the 2019 Wealth Standard Podcast, Season 1, Capitalism. And now your host, Patrick Donahoe. Hey, everyone. This is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to this episode of the Wealth Standard Podcast. And we've been talking about capitalism from all sorts of angles this season. Hopefully, you have seen value in those angles. And today is just going to be one more to add. But this is one that is really important to me. The individual that we have on today, Josh Lannon, is a, a dear friend of mine. And we've had some incredible conversations over the years. And with what he's doing right now as a business, as a, a social capitalist, is changing so many lives. And so to introduce Josh, Josh is the co-author of the Social Capitalist book, which is part of the Rich Dad Advisor series. And uh, currently, he is the president and founder at Warrior's Heart, which is in Bandera, Texas, and is a healing center for first responders and veterans. And Josh is one of the most committed and hardworking guys that, that I know. He's a, a social entrepreneur committed to building businesses that focus on the development of people and creating positive change. So Josh, man, thanks for taking the time to talk about uh, capitalism from your uh, vantage point today. Awesome. Thanks, Patrick. So Josh, you know, we, we had an interview a few years ago when your book came out and we're going to post a link to that. So instead of getting into really, you know, the breadth of your story, which goes very, very deep, would you maybe just take a minute to, you know, define what social capitalism is as far as how you understand it and why that's important, especially in our day and age where, you know, the amount of social problems just continues to grow. Got it. Yeah. And I'll frame up with a little bit of personal story because it, it connects them to why. I think any social entrepreneur or social capitalist really is driven by a why, is driven by a mission. And in 2001, I quit drinking. I got sober. I went through a program, quit drinking. And I made a declaration to God, to the universe, is that, hey, Nothing's ever going to control me like that ever again. Now, at least my wife may say, well, that's not true because I'm still going to tell you what to do. <laughs> but you know, like, okay, marriage aside, I'm not going to let this alcohol control me again. You know, I'm, I'm going to really jump into my recovery and my sobriety and reclaim the power back in my life. And there's a saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Well, here Robert Kiyosaki comes into my life at about 2001. And the message I got was, is that you're addicted to money. And that hit me at my core. Here I am, I just freshly in sobriety, I make this declaration, and then Robert's teaching me and I'm learning that, hold on, I'm dependent upon money. And if you think about it, the average person, you take away their paycheck for two weeks, there's a major detox that's going to happen. There's fear, there's all that stuff that's going to happen where it's like, well, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to take care of my family? It's like, wow. That's like you take a drug away from someone. You go into the relapse or you go into detox. So it's like, okay, I'm going to learn how to master money. I'm going to study money. I'm going to become a student of money. I want money to serve me, not for me to serve money. So with that is like, since I'm not going to allow money to control me, well, what's my drive if it's not money? Because money's never enough, right? You make good money, then you get bigger toys, and it's this drug that's always going and going. So it's mission. What's your purpose in life? What's your mission in life? What's your why? 
And to me, that's what social capitalism is. Yes, money is important because it keeps the whole thing afloat and going, but it's not the main purpose. The main purpose is your passion, is your, is your why. And for me, it happened to be serving those fellow alcoholics, addicts who are struggling with chemical dependency. I knew that on a personal, intimate level. So my business, my passion became helping other guys get sober, and we built a multi-million dollar business out of it. It's amazing where, you know, because what you're saying is it's rarely dissected because in the end, you know, what is money? Money is just, it's a tool of exchange, but it's the medium for different aspects of value. And if you look at, you know, what we exchange for, you know, our electricity, right, or food or a house or a rent, the value isn't in the money. The value is in what it's exchanged for. But I would also say the creation of money also comes from, you know, you being valuable in some aspect. You know, what I've discovered over the years is when you align a higher purpose to the value you're providing, it's kind of like it multiplies. It, right? it, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm a capitalist. I want to create value. I want to create products and services that improve people's lives. And I'm also a socialist that hey, I want to take care of people when they're down and they're hurting to be there. It's like, hey, I got your back. I got you covered. So I think you can't, it's not really one's right, one's wrong. It's how can we blend the two together where our businesses have a higher calling than money? Our businesses add value to our lives, to our communities, to our nation, to the world. That, I think, is a higher calling than just money. No, it's interesting, you know, because I, I look at what I found, you know, this season is that everybody defines capitalism differently. There's right. so many ways to define it. Some, and some are accurate. Some are just, you know, rhetoric and, and opinion. But in the end, that's what people believe. That's their truth. But I look at, you know, really the, the consensus of what I've looked at as the definition of capitalism dating back to when the actual term was created, right, was that there's a accountability, that there's more produced with the resources expended. And if you look at that, you know, especially when it comes to a social challenge, whether it's poverty or what you've uh, specialized in for years, uh, which is addiction, substance addiction typically, right, is to, you know, essentially throw money at the problem and not necessarily have a care for uh, profit or an accountability. And how I describe profit is that, you know, you have more output than you have input, right? And so talk to that as far as how you've come to understand capitalism and its role in the accountability over expending certain resources for a given issue. Well, you know, what's interesting is I think there's such a polarity right now of thoughts and confusion of definition of what is socialism? What is capitalism? And you see it is that there's this, this underlying anger out there. And the truth of the matter is, is I just want to increase or improve the value of people's lives. And I do that using business as a source for good. It's a power to do that. You know, I'm not going to use capitalism to create cigarettes. I don't believe in it. I, I think it harms the body. People get addicted to it. But on the other hand, it's like, okay, well, someone else, some, you know, you have freedom of, of choice. You can smoke if you want. I don't care. But I'm not going to have my energy, my focus, my resources invest into something like that that I don't believe in. So that's what I love about entrepreneurism and capitalism. So we have the freedom of choice 
to create something that we want to that adds value to people's lives. Now, typically the value you bring to the marketplace, and it was Journey Healing Centers previously, now it's Warrior's Heart. So these are challenges that seem to just be increasing where individuals are relying on substances and essentially becoming addicted to them, which uh, ultimately negatively impact their lives. Normally, this type of challenge is approached with uh, government, you know, as, as the body who takes on the challenge. And so you're approaching it from a different standpoint. So talk about just, you know, why you've decided to go that route and then what you see as the difference between your approach and what would be, you know, essentially a government approach. Yeah. So with Journey, we sold that business back in 2015. And, and you're right, we refocused and Warriors Heart is our, our main operation right now. And Warriors Heart uh, is on a 543-acre ranch right outside San Antonio, Texas. We serve just active military, veterans, and first responders. And what we found is that where do our military go if they need help? Well, in the private sector, they go to a facility that has a mixed population. So they're mixed with civilians, if you will. And civilians, and like, they're curious on, well, what was it like over there? And how many people did you kill? And kind of, you know, amateur questions. Like, guys don't want to hear that. They don't want to go through that. There's definitely a difference between a civilian and a military guy. So same thing with our police officers. We're, we're, well, then the VA is another option for our military, which is, you know, a major institution. They're just not prepared and, and then being able to handle this flow of guys that we have coming back now, they're overwhelmed. So there's not really anything good on, on that side for our military. On the police and law enforcement, same thing. What are you going to do? Mix them in a population uh, with guys that they may have arrested? You know, they get it. It's like, hey, we're both struggling, but we're on opposite sides of the fence. So the solution was, why not a private organization like Warriors Heart step forward and say, we're only going to exclusively serve this warrior class population, so a niche market. So what we've done is we've gone through all of our licensing, accreditations, and TRICARE approved so we can take government insurance. We've got contracts with the VA, and they are paying for our guys, for our warriors to go through our program. So the modality is, is we can move faster, leaner, and use technology to being like treatment for PTSD, treatment for chemical dependencies, that sort of thing in this holistic model that is more effective than what's happening in the big institutions. Well, it's interesting because that, you know, you look at the issue and you're hitting on some things that I often think that throwing money at problems is, uh, should be the last, last resort. And, you know, I, I know, you know, some of the challenges you face, right. And being able to, you know, get the, the sign off, whether it's uh, the, the VA or insurance, for what you guys do. But in the end, what's driving you to get that because you understand potentially a better way to create some true healing and lasting healing in those that experience trauma in a totally unique way compared to most people, right, is, you know, the level of accountability because they're giving you the sign off on insurance, giving you the sign off on uh, fundings you know, from the VA. And if you don't create a very high level experience with good success, then that's essentially going to get cut. Whereas I would say a lot of government programs don't operate exactly like that. 
And so maybe talk to that. I mean, what have you had to do, generally speaking, to, to make this business work? Well, it goes back to the why. I really think it does because that's the core that drives everything else. So I'm in recovery, got sober in 2001. My wife was a police officer in Vegas. Our partner in Warrior's Heart was 22 years in the military, retired out, a tier one operator. He was in Delta. So we get it on a very personal level, the population that we're serving and the struggles that they have. So we built it from the end user's point of view. I mean, I walk through the front doors of a program. I get it how scared to death one is. And, you know, I don't want to eat crappy food and talk to crappy counselors that they're there because they really don't want to be there, but they're just collecting a paycheck. So we built it. We built a team of professionals that get it on a human level and they're, they're mission driven. And I think that's one of the major deciding factors in why we're doing things better is because we've lived it. Now, recently, you guys were featured on the Today Show, and it's a, we'll post the link as part of the show notes, but it was in a really inspiring testimonial for the change that can occur, right? A change of, of heart for people that experience things that most, uh, most of us can't even begin to empathize with. So talk to us about, you know, the difference you're seeing in the lives of those who have you know, put their life on the line for, you know, the protection of the country or for a community if it's a, a local first responder. Yeah, no, thanks for that. Um, yeah, the Today Show was, was great exposure on who we are and what we're doing. And we partner with incredible companies at Grunt Style, Black Rifle Coffee, and we've been featured in a number of television shows. And the word is getting out. And like Teddy that was on the Today Show, man, it's just, he's a great human being. It just, it got to him, you know, war and trauma and it, it got to him. So that's what he used was alcohol to medicate. And um, he's sober now and he's giving back and he's wanting to talk to people. He's like, hey, brother, my, my battle hasn't stopped. It's just refocused now as I want to help other guys get sober. So that's the fight. It's like, get it. And I mean, even today, he gave a hug to a young Ranger Battalion guy that was uh, in our program. He's at active duty. And he's just extremely grateful. He's like, man, thank you for what you guys are doing, how you've built this program. There's nothing like this out there anywhere. And that's the fuel that feeds the spirit is talking to the guys right on the front line, going through the program, seeing it in their eyes. It's like, okay, it's working. Keep moving forward. Now, this isn't, you know, just, it's not just your why. Okay, and, and what you're driven to do. But talk about how this has impacted, how that mission and why impacts your company. Well, yeah, and it should impact any social entrepreneur or anyone that says, I want to do more in this world than just make a bunch of money. It's to find your purpose, find your passion, or find your tribe that is doing what you want to do and join that team. That will be the fuel to keep you going, you know? And I think that's extremely important. Well, talk about, I mean, it's because you imagine these are experiences that most don't have and are, and are very challenging. And if it's a normal nine to five person that's just hired and, and shows up for a paycheck, they handle things differently than a culture that is, you know, driven by purpose. And I know that, you know, there's a form of social capitalism, which is called conscious capitalism, which I think was popularized by, by John Mackey, the, you know, the CEO of, of Whole Foods. 
but talk about how the culture approaches these difficult challenges and how that might be different than just, you know, how a person shows up to a typical nine to five job. Well, yeah, I mean, it goes back to mission again and, and purpose and, and passion. And you see it with teachers at school is that if, if they're protected by a union that they can't get fired on and they're not performing and they're miserable, they're horrible to be around, <laughs> you know, and every business unfortunately has those that probably should just move on, but they're stuck there because of the paycheck. They're scared to death to leave but they're miserable. It's like, so, but why are you here? Well, because I need to get paid. Yeah, but you're making everyone else's lives miserable too. You know, and why should we live like that? I think life's too short for that. It's like, man, let's move on. Let's, let's find something that it's not always easy, but it's worth it. I interviewed a guy, geez, about a year ago, and he wrote the book, uh, Free to Learn. And he's a, a professor at Boston College. I think he's a, he's a former professor at Boston College. He's, I think he's retired now. But he, he talked about you know, the school system in general and learning in general. And he advocates in his book a program called the Sudbury School. And it's kind of like a, a theory or philosophy. Uh, but how they run today is that you know, teachers are essentially on a one-year contract and are voted democratically by students and parents. Uh, mm-hmm. to renew their contract, <laughs> you know? And so, so it's one of those things that cr- it creates a dynamic of accountability that typically does not exist in the traditional school system, right? And it, you look at those who would sign up for that type of position, right? And if it's a, a tenured professor, there's no way they would ever do that, right? But you look at, well, not, I'm not speaking absolutely, but most wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And, but you look at the teachers that are there, that understand what that means, but still decide to face the challenge anyway, their drive is going to be different. And I think that the, the stigma out there has been, you know, just continue to throw money at school, hoping that things get better. But in the end, that goes right back to the money, the money issue, right? As opposed to the mission and why, why driven, you know, facilitation of education, right? Or any other endeavor. You're right. Well, and structure governs function. So the structure is fundamentally flawed. So it doesn't matter how much you add to it, add money, add fuel, the structure can only handle what it can handle. So you have to redesign the system. Now there's, you know, the couple, I was telling you before we started recording, uh, there was a, a really, you know, successful rate. So Ray Dalio, who, you know, is a big, uh, runs uh, Bridgewater Capital, he, you know, one of the, I think it's the biggest uh, hedge fund that's out there. And, and I heard him speak and he was talking on this specific topic. And it resonated with me because he lives in Connecticut and his, you know, his wife does a lot of volunteer work in Hartford. Uh, and I grew up right outside of, of Hartford, Connecticut. And he talked about just you know, the growing danger that exists on the streets of Hartford. And then he, you know, he was talking through what he has been pushing, which is taking successful business people, entrepreneurs, and figuring out solutions right to improve situations like that because it was specifically referencing kids weren't able to get to school because of how dangerous it was to walk there or take the bus system. But he also, you know, the statistics showed that if a child could get to, uh, I think it was like 10th grade, then they would have this, you know, X percent of success once, you know, when they were an adult. And so how to actually do that came down to figuring out the resources that are being allocated and having metrics-driven accountability 
and which ultimately is kind of like profit, right? Which you have a resource and it's to produce a better result. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I look at, you know, just how challenges, which is part of human nature, right? We're always going to have challenges as a society, but the way in which it's approached from a capitalistic standpoint isn't profit, which I think people are mostly confused with because I think the, the rage that people have with capitalism comes down to, you know, businessmen being greedy and wanting more money and profit. But as I've looked at it and really discovered what the underlying theory has been since the beginning, it's essentially to take certain resources and to improve whatever situation, which is, you know, enhancing efficiency or output. But ultimately, right, it's to take stewardship, be a good steward over the resources available and make a difference with those at a, at a higher level. And, you know, when I first started to learn this, like I thought about you and Lisa and what you guys have been advocating for so long, right, which is the idea that there's lots of social issues out there, but being approached from a purely socialistic standpoint, right, is going to have a waste of resources with little accountability and not much output as opposed to, you know, a capitalistic perspective where you're able to make those resources more efficient and increase output and have higher levels of accountability. Absolutely. Yeah, because you need to be in exchange. Create a system that you're in exchange because if it's one-sided, say socialism, give, 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 and the other person's taking, taking, you know, there it creates a sense of entitlement. And that's not what it's about at all. It's not about giving away everything for free. It's about being exchange. And I think that's what keeps a healthy country, community going. It's like, hey, we're in exchange, just like my kids. They got to do chores. Am I paying them for it? No. That's part of living in our house and part of them getting food and fuel and electricity and all that stuff. It's like, hey, that's just part of being a member of our family here. I'm not going to pay you to take out the trash. And this is where, you know, I've, I have a very laissez-faire way of, with my kids, where we don't necessarily have tasks that they're responsible for. It's, I try to use principles, right? So I, I talk about our home, right? And our home is where we come home and we, we rest and we have great memories. And, you know, it's where we feel safe and where we, where we can re-energize. Uh-huh. And it, the way in which we treat it has to reflect what we believe its purpose to be. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, you leave lights on or if you leave clothes on the floor and you, you know, I came home a couple of weeks ago and there was marks all over the wall. And, you know, so it's not like it's, you know, that they understand what that principle is. But I try to govern through that principle and value, right, of respecting your, your home. Uh, and acknowledging its role in your life and treating it with respect as opposed to just the task of picking this up and picking that up. And, you know, I look at how I, you know, following orders and what happens when people are, are operating through being told what to do as opposed to being the operation having to do with following a set of principles and values. So how have you found, you know, maybe as we conclude our interview, how have you found your mission, your principles and your values, your code which I know is often used in the rich dad world, how has your code allowed just that heightened level of accountability for you guys, but also maybe your family and your team? Yeah, and I'll frame that around the family. It's interesting, in business, we write business plans. We have regular meetings from daily huddles to weekly meetings, quarterly meetings, annual meetings. We have values, we have mission, we have vision, purpose. I mean, all that stuff is We understand that, and that's how we were taught and trained to build a business. Why not take those principles into the family life? 
What's the mission statement for our family? What are our family values that should guide our decisions? Do we have family meetings every week? Do we have annual retreats that we get together and we spend time with our family? You know, what's the vision? What are our goals? What are our objectives? Hey, how are you doing on your goals? What bottlenecks are getting in the way? You know, how'd you do in, in uh, track meet this week? How was the football practice? Okay, what's your goals? We know how to do this. Why not incorporate it into the family? You know, just like why not incorporate it into a social enterprise that we're passionate about and we want to improve the quality of or solve this social problem? We have the fundamentals. So it's principally driven. It can be applied in all aspects. So I love what you said about with your family and principles, using values and principles, because it's so true. I mean, it just rings to me. And that, that's how we run our family. Now, is it perfect? No. We do our best, but it helps guide the decisions and it creates a rhythm within our family. Because if you look at any, any culture that has survived a long period of time, there's rituals to it. And rituals is what helps keep the bonds together. So that's what we do. We create rituals in our family and in our businesses. Well, people in general, right? In whatever, whatever unit, whatever capacity, we were volatile, right? We're emotional. We react to certain things. We, you know, we perceive certain things in a certain way. So, you know, principles and mission is kind of that, like, it's like the compass, right? It's your true north. I mean, principles don't change. Values it can't be something and something else, right? It's a value is, this is a value and it, and it can't necessarily be argued. And, and that's where, you know, it essentially it sets this compass as to how you behave. And if you're not getting certain results, right, it's not necessarily because of, you know, well, it could be because of the environment, it could be because of other people, but typically you go to, okay, am I aligned with principles? Am I aligned with my values? And if not, then that's the starting place as opposed to, you know, blaming other circumstances. But I look at, man, kids, that's the thing. I mean, with business, I would say also with family, I mean, understanding this really helps to solidify a paradigm and perspective of those that, you know, are within our stewardship to look at the world. And it's kind of that like pay it forward thing or the compound effect where you make a difference where somebody understands what mission driven means, or they understand what the principle of creating value is, or putting team, you know, me versus or we versus me. Like that right there is not just for, you know, a singular purpose, but the application is in pretty much most endeavors that we, you know, partake in as humans, right? That's right. Well, and I think that's part of the problem. Robert's new book, Fake, that's coming out. He talks about that, is that we're taught by fake teachers. In other words, we're taught by people that are not doing it themselves. You know, like a financial planner, most of them are broke. They're just salespeople or a personal uh, trainer that's overweight, or a marriage counselor that's been divorced three times. It's, it's like, why not live in integrity with what you teach? I'm not saying that stuff's right or wrong. I'm just saying, if you're going to teach people, then be in integrity with those values all the way through. Like, how I am at work is how I am at home. I don't shift, you know, it's me. I want to be in integrity, not like, well, I have to act one way in this environment, and this, when I'm around my guy friends act another way. It's like, no, man, I love my wife. So I'm going to be consistent with that value no matter where I'm at or whatever it is, you know? This is just, it's humanity, it's life. And, you know, we have different groups and experiences, but the principles apply to every aspect of it. And so I look at, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things which has helped me in the different, you know, roles and hats that I wear 
where if you're out of integrity, right, in one area, it's going to f- affect all areas, right? So that's where you know, yeah. be very clear about what your principles are and what your purpose is, right, really becomes that true north and it allows you to realign because, you know, ultimately we all get off course and we're all going to get off course. Right. But realigning, you know, there has to be some sort of standardization there uh, to, you know, come, come back, back to equilibrium. All right, Josh, this has been awesome. I know you don't have all the time in the world. I mean, we've been at this for 45 minutes now, but, you know, listen, how can people, I mean, we'll post a link to the book, post a link to Warrior's Heart, but what are other ways in which people can follow you or learn more about you and about social capitalism? Thanks for that. Um, The main thing is warriorsheart.com. And then we're also on Facebook. That's most of my activity and focus. The last thing I'd like to say, though, with that in social entrepreneurism, purpose and mission is look back in your past, you know, for all of us kind of going, well, what should I be doing? You know, what's my mission is look back in the past. And a lot of times the answers are found in the past. It's like all that crap that I went through as a kid and drinking. And I didn't want to tell people that I'm a, you know, an alcoholic and in recovery and all that stuff. But you know what, that's the past and say, maybe I went through that for a reason. It made me stronger and it gave me in essence, the right to teach it moving forward. That could be where you find your answers. I love the quote, life happens for you, not to you. And you look at the experiences that are unique to you and the lessons that you've learned and what you've become because of it, right? That has shaped you into into who you are and embracing that and appreciating that, right, is uh, it's empowering as opposed to being ashamed or, you know, embarrassed by it. It is. Yeah. I mean, our past is a gift and it can help guide our future if we take it and really study it and look for the purpose behind it. Josh, thanks so much for being on. I hope you uh, listeners have gotten a lot out of the, uh, the interview today. But again, warriorsheart.com is a way to follow what Josh and his wife, Lisa, and their team are up to and the difference they're making in our, our warriors today. And then also follow them on, uh, on social media. All right, Josh, any final words? Thank you, man. Patrick, we've known each other for years, man. I love you like a brother. And I've just been so honored to be part of this uh, journey with you. And your family's incredible. And I really appreciate that you're in integrity with what you teach. Josh, I echo everything you just said right back to you and times uh, a few multiples. All right, man, we'll have you on soon again. Cool. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. My book, the Amazon bestseller, Heads I Win, Tales You Lose, a financial strategy to reignite the American dream, is completely changing the way people look at saving, wealth, and retirement. Want a sneak peek? Head on over to www.headsortailsiwin.com forward slash podcast for a free audio, and text download of my favorite chapter. Again, that's headsortailsiwin.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate 
reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Lord from the sun.